Amen. Thank you, Evan. Uh, kids are dismissed at this time over here uh, with Miss Kathy to your left. And our ushers will begin taking our offering at this time. Um, and I want to say thank you um, so much to you all who, who give financially to this church. Um, and we know in our culture, especially during tough times, it can be hard to give. Um, but we know that you all are, many of you guys are faithful to do it. So I just want to say thank you. Um, for what you give. You know who you are. Um, it truly is a blessing to us here at this church to have resources to, um, honestly, just to share the gospel in various ways and resources to provide for various things. And also, I want to take a moment here really quickly to um, honor those people who showed up yesterday for the work day. Uh, if you were here at the work day last week, or actually yesterday, and you did all the beautiful stuff that we see around the building, would you stand up at this time? Who was here yesterday? Stand up. Justin, Mr. Jerry, Wesley Bates, Janelle, thank you. And uh, I, thank you guys for what you did. Like I said, I know I was out of town, unfortunately, I could not be here. Can you turn me down a tad, Robert? Um, I, it's, it's so refreshing to know that as a pastor that I can go away for a weekend, and we have so many great people at our church who are taking care of things, and it's nice to leave and come back, and, and really cool things have been done. And I didn't have to lift a finger. That's a huge blessing to me. So I want to say thank you um, for that. And really quickly, I, I, I thought about this this past week when I was thinking about this prayer initiative and kind of what we're doing. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times these things can potentially fall on deaf ears. And I say the word pray, and, and we kind of feel like we've heard that word so many times that we have this idea of how to do it. And I don't know what your prayer life is like, but I'm not naive enough to think that a lot of people in this room have just vibrant prayer lives where they're always talking to God and daily getting away with him and, and reading his word and praying. And so um, I want to share with you really quickly, really briefly as your pastor, just some things that helped me very quickly because I think that this is important. And I want to start this off strong. And, I, and what I really desire is at the end of summer, I desire to have conversations with people who say, I connect with God so much more now because of what God did in our church. And so, really quickly, let let me give you a few pointers on on prayer. And and this is nothing necessarily, this isn't like a perfect idea. This is just something that's helped me, and maybe it can help you as well. When I pray, I have learned about myself that I have to make an appointment, right? So when something is important, you have to make an appointment. And so, you know, if your best friend's coming into town and they're only in for a day, you're probably gonna say, okay, tomorrow at 7.30, we're gonna get together, right? It's important, so you make an appointment. And so when you pray, I understand that God's always with you, but I would set aside maybe just 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, maybe early in the morning. That's really good for me in the morning because my email inbox hasn't been checked yet and I'm not getting push notifications on my phone of all the events going on in the world and, you know, Norway and all these things. Technology is distracting for us. I make an appointment with God and I show up. And the thing about making an appointment is when you do that, what you realize is you're not rushed because you have set aside time to be with God. And then I open my Bible and I set it before me and I take a deep breath to kind of slow myself down. Maybe a few deep breaths, okay? Trying to relax my mind because I've got a lot going on. And I, before I read the scripture, because the Bible is a great way to, to, to bring our hearts to prayer and especially the Psalms, right? And so I stand before the Bible or I'm usually sitting before the Bible and I'm quiet. And it's really awkward when I'm quiet, kind of like right now. But I quiet myself before the scriptures. And then I read the text that I'm reading out loud. And I read it slowly. And I read it clearly. 
And then after I finish reading it, I stop again and I pause before the scriptures and I kind of think about, I don't say anything, I don't hop right into prayer. The reason why we struggle to pray sometimes is because we just try to hop right into it and we're not ready, right? Our soul's not functioning properly. Like we're, we're distracted, our mind's everywhere. So I read the text and I quiet myself and I'll wait for 30 seconds after I read the scripture. And then I begin to pray. And it just flows. And if you ever had one of those prayer times where it was hard to get going, but once you pushed through, it was like the most powerful experience that you've ever had. And you're so glad you didn't just give up or hop on Facebook or check that text message or the paper, depending on who you are. Prayer is powerful. And the reason why we're choosing to do this during the summer is because summer is naturally a time of more relaxation. Now, in America, there's never any more times of full relaxation, but in the summer, there's something relaxing about it being really hot outside. I don't know what that is. And this summer, we as a church have begun this journey together called Summer in the Psalms. This is a journey unlike anything else God has ever taken our church through. And it's a journey that is based upon this really simple yet profound idea that what if we really depended on God? What if for the first time in our lives we actually gave up anxiety and believed that the God of the universe who created the mountains and the seas and our blood cells and our hearts and our souls and who gave us the wisdom to construct a building like this, what if that God could actually take care of the stresses and the problems in my life? What if the problems that face our church that kind of stand in our way from us really taking the gospel forth, what if we really actually believe this radical idea that God could overcome anything that stood in our way? And that if we would simply depend on him, that maybe we would see something that we've never seen in our entire lives before. What if you were a part of a move of God? What if you saw something special happen? What if you had a moment that you knew that for the rest of your life, you would always look back and be like, man, God was moving then. But how else could that ever happen besides depending on God? And here's the good news. We don't have to do all that much. And when you begin to pray, what you realize is oftentimes working really hard takes away from from the peace in your life. And what you realize is it's pretty simple. You just have to trust God in your life. I hear people say prayer doesn't work. And it's always the guy who's never prayed for more than 10 minutes in his entire life. Every single time. And so as we read this psalm this morning, it's going to be real short. It's going to be one clear idea. We're going to read a prayer of David. And we're going to read the prayer of a man who saw a mighty move of God in his life. And I want us to believe this morning that if we maybe understand something that he gets that maybe we don't, or he trusts something that maybe we don't, that maybe if we could pray like him and trust like him, maybe God would move powerfully in your life and in this church. Turn with me to Psalm 25. Uh, This is a wonderful, beautiful psalm. 
I was talking after church uh, last week with John Yandel, and he said that uh, a common saying that I'd actually heard before, but he reminded me of it. He said that they say that the Psalms are the heartbeat of the Bible. The Psalms are the heart of Scripture. And so Romans is kind of like the, the mind and the knowledge, right? And, and James is kind of like the hands and the feet and the practical doing. And the Psalms is the heart of Scripture, Meaning that if we can get our hearts to beat to the rhythm that David's heart is beating in this text, that we can see wonderful moves of God in our lives because we're inviting him to do something powerful. So stand with me as we take this journey in Psalm 25 together this morning. We will have it up on the screen if you don't have a Bible this morning. Psalm 25. This is a king writing this, okay? This needy prayer is written by the most powerful man in the land during his time. I want you to see that as we read this psalm. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. David says this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. I love this part. Or according to your steadfast love, remember me. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. For those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. May God bless this wonderful word. You may be seated at this time. I love how David begins this. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Do you know what he's saying there? Or is that just kind of like Bible language to you? When David says, to you, I lift up my soul, what he is essentially saying is, okay, God, Here's my soul, here. God, okay, here's my anxiety, here, take it. Here's my worries, here's my dreams, here's what I want, here's my family, God. To you I lift myself up, because you are in control, because you are all powerful. Let, Let not my enemies exult over me, because if they are to not exult over me, it is only by your hand. You see, what David does before he begins to ask for anything is he, he acknowledges his trust in God. And if you've been reading through A Praying Life with us, it's a book that is, has changed my prayer life forever. I really encourage you to read through it. It's in the, the Welcome Center if you'd like a copy. Um, I read the second chapter this week, and I loved what he said because partly it really affirmed what I feel like God is, is telling us during the season. He said that dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. Paul Miller, the author, says that, that, that praying is the, is the art of pulling out the inner needy self that you are. Find that needy person in you. Find that person that's not all-powerful. Find the person inside of you that's not the self-made man or woman. Pull that person out. 
Come to God with your needs, with your problems, with all the baggage in your life, with all the stuff that used to happen that, that has messed you up. Come to God with these things, pull it out, and be extremely needy before God. To pray, it's uncomfortable because you have to be extremely vulnerable with God. Not just vulnerable to, to do what he says, but vulnerable to, to confess that I cannot do this, God. This job is too hard. This marriage, it, it's just tough, God. My, my kids are crazy. I, I mean, I can't do this, God. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know my, my direction of my life. I, I'm completely needy, and I depend on you, O oh Lord. I mean, this is a king praying this. This is the man who has the entire army at his disposal, praying that God would not let his enemies come get him. Because he knows no matter how strong his army is, no matter how many things he has at his disposal, only God will protect him. And so David confesses his complete dependence upon God. And then he says in verse 4, Make me know your ways, God. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. David asked God for direction, for guidance, and for a path in his life. And what you need to know this morning is that your direction in life determines your destination. Direction always determines destination. He said, well, that's kind of obvious, John. No, it's not. Not in this world. Have you heard a lot of the slogans in culture today? Have you watched TV recently? Have you seen what the average American thinks about life? You'll hear statements like, all paths are good and lead to the same place. Just be yourself, because you know how to do things. All religions lead to God. All religions are essentially the same. You know, we have to be tolerant of different paths and, you know, don't try to find the right one. Just find a path, get on the road, and, and then good things will happen. God loves you. He'll be with you. But the problem with that idea is that tolerance is what they call a morally neutral term. Meaning that tolerance is not good or bad, it just is. It's just a state of, of being understanding towards somebody, of, of being okay with what they do. But the biggest word in our culture today is tolerance. I mean, how low have we set the standards that we just want to tolerate people? When I was growing up, if you tolerated your family, that was a bad thing, right? Okay, if you tolerate your spouse, that's not good. And Scripture doesn't call us to tolerate. Scripture calls us to love. Big difference there, right? You want to be tolerated or you want to be loved? And see, what David realizes is there's not a million paths to take in this life in order to find the good life. There's not a million different roads. There's not alternate paths. There's not alternate routes. There's one way. And the message of Scripture is totally offensive because it says, you don't know what you're doing, but Jesus does. And the same way that, that David prays for guidance, when Christ came to the earth, he said, hey, look, I am the way. That guidance you've been asking for, that hole in your heart, that path in life that you desire, follow me and you will find everything that you are looking for. Direction determines destination. And there is this lie in the world that says you can do whatever you want, anything, and somehow, but, but the end result is always good, okay? You can, you can have whatever morality you want. 
You can spend your money however you want. You can do whatever you want just to follow your heart or whatever, and then it will end up good. And it's just not true. And every person in this room, you know that. David says, look, there's one way. It's God's way. And so he prays to God after he's depended upon him. He says, God, give me your direction and your, your guidance. I had a, a scary moment this past week. I've told a few of you about this already. Um, have you ever been caught in a storm and thought you were going to die? Raise your hand. Well, I have, okay? So let me tell you about it. We were uh, going to Halsey's sister's graduation, and um, we were heading uh, west on I-10, going to San Antonio, and uh, it was really late at night because she was working. We were both working that day, and so we didn't get to leave till like 9.30, and we're heading out on I-10, and it was cool because it was really beautiful because there was like this lightning storm that was going on the entire time that we were heading uh, to San Antonio, and it was really pretty, and there was no rain. It was just like God was lighting up the sky, and then we're about halfway in, and Halsey's sister sends us this text message saying, hey, are you guys okay? Um, there's a really, really, really dangerous storm um, that, that I, I think you're probably heading into, and right around the time she sent that text message, it starts kind of raining a little bit and raining. And you know how when you're driving the car and you begin to feel like you don't have as much power and control as you used to because the wind is just blowing you, you know? And no offense, I have a Ford Escape, not the biggest car. Um, and so it's not like a big truck. I mean, it, it was getting pretty bad. And it gets to the point where it's getting so bad and the wind is so heavy that we ask her sister to send us this Doppler radar picture of the area so we can see where we're at because it turns out there's a tornado warning and we're, I mean, it's like perfect storm. We're heading right into it. And she sends us this picture. And I remember looking over at Halsey and saying, I'm guessing the purple and the red is bad, right? Like, that's not where you want to be. Like, when you see purple and red in the radar, you better run. And we're literally right in the middle of it. And, I mean, the wind is blowing. And, and I'm usually not that concerned about this. But I literally start to feel my heart beat. And they say that when you are, are, are slightly fearful for your life, they say that your, your senses become heightened. So you, you physically are maybe a little bit more um, able than you used to be. And mentally, you're a little more focused because you realize that there is imminent danger in your way. And it gets so bad that we can't see anything on the road. And so there's, there's, there's rain coming down. I can't see anything. My windshield wipers are horrible. I need to change them. And there's wind blowing everywhere. And it finally, I realize we're on the road by ourselves. And there's no gas stations anywhere. We're like in one of those 30-mile stretches where there's absolutely nothing and there's a tornado warning, and it legitimately seems like a tornado is coming our way. So, so we get off the road, and I can't see anything. I mean, there's stuff all around us. I can't see anything. And so I go towards this town because it says there's a town this way. So I'm thinking maybe a town has some stuff we can hide out or whatever. Because I'm literally thinking we're going to have to evacuate and get out of this car. And so I head this direction, and it gets to the point where it's so bad, and it's flooding everywhere, and we're stuck in the absolute middle of nowhere in the middle of a tornado warning. And Halsey and I, we're being real quiet because we're scared. And we finally found this courthouse in the middle of nowhere, and we were able to pull our car up behind it. And, and so basically the, the courthouse is here, our car's back here, and the wind is just like pounding on this building. And all the handicap signs are like basically going like this all over the place, and it's really scary. And it looks like the hurricane coverage they show you on the news. And I'm like, we are in the middle of a car. We're all by ourselves. There's nothing that we can do. And it was funny because in that moment, I, we were so concerned about what was going on but I didn't care what Oprah thought in that moment. And, and I didn't care what my best friend thought. 
I didn't want guidance from myself because I knew I didn't know what to do. The most scary part of the entire thing was I didn't know, like, do I stay in the car? Do I get out and hide under the shelter of this building? Do I keep driving? Like, what do I do? And it was this moment where I began to realize there are so many areas in this life in which we're completely dependent upon God. And in the worst times of our lives, in the scariest parts of our life, when our life is on the line, the only person we can even conceive of reaching out to is God. And we prayed. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't the most confident prayer, but I prayed. And I meant it. And it's funny because, like I said earlier, they say that whenever you are fearful for your life, they say that you are more heightened in your senses. And I wonder, why isn't all of life like this? If we really believed our lives were valuable, if we really believed that God had a purpose for us, if we really believed all these things, why would we be so lazy about the direction we take in life? When I wake up tomorrow, how come my senses aren't heightened that what I do today will impact me for the rest of my life? I think we forget that. And and I think we kind of become a little bit lazy in the direction that we start taking in our lives. But the result of prayer and dependence on God is a clear path in life. And as Christians, we, we seek out Christ and the way that he does things. And, and we don't just say, oh, well, anything works. We come to God for the way. As Justin prayed this morning, I mean, he was like, God, give us direction. Give us guidance. We want to do this. We're excited, Lord, but, but we need you because, like, if you don't give us guidance, then we're just, like, doing something we think is good and who knows what's going to happen. God has so many great things planned for us, and we don't even take the time to stop and say, hey, God, what is that? How do I get that life that I desire? A lack of clarity is usually a lack of prayer. And I don't know about you, but I had some moments this week where I had some questions that I didn't know the answer to. And you can't call up your parents, as great as fathers are, they don't have all the answers. Your spouse doesn't know. Your pastor definitely doesn't know. It's just you and God and you're praying for direction. And there were a couple times this week where I prayed about something that I didn't know what to do. And I said, you know what, God? Here it is. I'm done worrying. I'm not gonna worry about it because you know what? I know you can do it. And do you know how much better your life is when you can learn to depend and trust on God with that thing that's in your mind right now? Halsey got uh, rear-ended about a week ago and it totally messed up the whole back of her car and she gets hit by this guy when she's at a complete stop trying to get on the freeway. And it was the typical situation where the guy, the, the insurance looked a little bit shady, and turns out he doesn't have insurance. And so this whole past week, I'm dealing with basically my insurance agent who is telling me that you are not at fault in this accident at all. Somebody else hit you wrongly, but we can't find them. They're probably never going to pay a dime, and we're probably going to have to end up paying 
a deductible for an uninsured motorist claim, which means we did nothing wrong, and yet we're going to have to pay. He's off scot-free because Texas law protects that. And it's those kind of moments that kind of frustrate you and it irritates you and you don't know what to do. And outside of God, how could you ever resolve those problems? That person that wronged you outside of the gospel, how could you ever deal with it? That job, you have no hope apart from Jesus. That, that, that struggling relationship, you have no hope apart from Jesus. So I prayed about it. I said, God, this is stupid. I know you're probably worrying about world hunger. But I'm, I'm frustrated here. And when you pray, God usually leads you to the gospel. And he reminded me that, John, I know you were wronged here. But you're a recipient of a beautiful inheritance that you didn't earn. But that you get because after you wronged God, God came down got on the cross, and died for you. Now remind me again what you can't forgive. Remind me again what's so crazy. I want to close with this. In John 14, it's my favorite passage in all scripture, Jesus talking to some of his followers, he says this, and I want you to think about what we just read in Psalm 25. Depending on God and God giving direction, And I want you to hear the way that God incarnate in Jesus Christ, how he refers to these people. He says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. He says, let your hearts not be troubled. In other words, depend on God. Prayer is dependence upon God. And the way that David prayed for guidance and direction 3,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to give guidance and direction in our lives to every single person in this room right now. Raise your hand if you want to know the right way in life. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you want to know truth. You're tired of lies. You're tired of falsehood. Raise your hand. Okay? Raise your hand if you want a good, abundant, awesome, human flourishing life. Raise your hand. It's in Jesus. And the same way that David knew there was one way for happiness, for life, and fulfillment, Jesus said the exact same thing. And he said that everything that we want is found in following him. And the way we depend on God today is we follow Jesus in our lives. We imitate his actions. I will be giving you an update 
on how the gospel plays out in my situation where I got wronged with the guy that ran into us. We're going to walk through this this summer together. And I have a feeling that God is going to teach me something. But I'm going to depend on him. And I feel a lot better about it. And the last thing I'll say is this morning, I offer you peace. I offer you trust. I offer you a life that doesn't include all the anxiety that you feel right now. I dare you to trust Jesus. I dare you to trust that God will lead you in his way, in his perfect way today. I beg you to to tie your heart to the gospel. I beg you to live for the name of Jesus. And this summer, I want to hear all of the stories about how God is giving you direction because you're asking for it. And I want to hear the story of our church finding a perfect direction in this community because we asked God and he came through in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we know that um, every morning when we wake up, Lord, there's a million things we could be doing in our lives. And Lord, at this time, we just ask for your direction. And God, teach us to pray that we might receive your direction. And God, I pray over every person who is in this room right now, God, I pray for your precious Holy Spirit to be the ultimate guidance in our lives. And I pray for the power of the Spirit in this room, for it to reflect the perfect image of Jesus in our lives and to give us the power this morning to trust you. God, we need your power just to trust you. How crazy is that? But God, the same way that David asked and it was delivered to him, I declare that we're depending on you this summer for guidance and direction. Give us the faith to trust that you will give us the guidance we need. God, I pray for people in this room who have a tough choice to make, Lord. I don't know what it is, God, but you do. God, I pray over them, verse four, Lord, that you would make them to know your path and your way that you would teach them your truth in that given situation, Father. I pray your spirit would fall on them right now, God, and comfort them because it's okay. And we know the reason why it's okay is because you died on the cross for our sins. And so we used to be stuck in the rut and glued to sin, but we've been freed and let up, and now we are free to pursue your goodness in this world because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And lastly, Lord, we just confess that we know that as we pray for your guidance, ultimately your guidance is Jesus. Lord, we don't pray to some ambiguous God. We don't pray to some ambiguous spirituality. We pray to a person whose name is Jesus Christ, who had a literal body that his disciples saw. And we come to you We rest our souls, we lift up our souls to you and say, God, give us guidance. And let's do a lot of great things in this world in the power of Christ. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. At this time, would you stand with us? Um, If you need to come to the front to pray at the altar or pray with somebody, uh, you can come forward at this time.